be honest, this was the second game in a row you went out early in the first quarter. I'm just curious what was going on there. I wanted uh, what how you guys say it politely. I wanted to take a, a tinkle. Zeros. I am your host, Josh Buck Halter. This is the Anti Hot Take Sports Show. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com. Email address, clockersports at gmail.com. And of course, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at 30 Pod. That's the number three zeros and pod. Man, we got a lot to get into. Um, that voice you heard right there was Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, possibly finals MVP. We'll see how that all plays out. But definitely uh, a man on a mission these past really the entire series, but the past few games, especially because you've seen a different level of focus. And he was talking about uh, regaining that focus early in the game, but we'll get to that in a second. We got to talk about some of the other goings on in this series and uh, why, what's so significant about what's happening lately. So, so as I said, the uh, Bucks have even the series two to two now, a one Oh nine to one Oh three victory over the Phoenix suns. This one was in Milwaukee game four. Second game in Milwaukee, second Bucks win. We'll talk about that in a second. But the thing about this one is the Suns had a nine-point lead in the fourth quarter and still lost the game. Listen, what we've seen here is something that I've been talking about for, I guess, since the series started, but kind of what I talked about against uh, when they were playing the Hawks, the Bucks were role players play better at home. That's what that's all we've seen so far. You know, there's a saying in the in the playoffs, in the NBA playoffs, well, I guess in, the, in, in uh, baseball it would work too, right? But the saying is that it's not a series until the road team wins a game. Until the road team steals one, just following the course. Now, that doesn't mean it's not interesting. It just means that there's not really much intrigue to it. You do know that over the next three games, Phoenix will have home court advantage. So if things follow suit, it's going to be Phoenix in seven. I'm not sure it's going to follow that way. But what's been interesting to me about it is how it's been such a stark difference in the performance of the supporting cast around the other two guys, around Devin Booker and Giannis Antetokounmpo, that have kind of fluctuated depending on where the games were taking place. When it was in Phoenix, you had uh, uh, DeAndre Ayton doing his thing. He hasn't been dominant like I thought he would be or really hasn't been as aggressive offensively. He's been kind of had his hands full, kind of. Had his hands full with Giannis, uh, who's when he goes to the five, is... Unreal. I don't know that that's got to be the plan going forward to just make him the full time five and just build around that because that is not fair. It's a cheat code. It's it's a it's a legitimate cheat code. Uh, so you've got Aiden still getting a double double though. He's doing his thing. Not gonna not gonna you know kill him because he he is out there performing still not up to his best, but he's performing. Chris Paul has been a guy that I've been caping for for. A lot this season, honestly, because of what he did with OKC after the, the Houston debacle. That really wasn't his fault. After the mess in, in Los Angeles, that was a lot on him. He took that Thunder team to a, the fifth seed. He's taken this Suns team, helped take this Suns team to the, to the one seed in the West. And yet, here they are. Here he is 
kind of falling back into a lot of those narratives that we saw where he's coming up uh, short. The past two games, Chris Paul's got 14 points. Not total. He's averaging 14 points. That would have been horrible. <laughs> uh, remember, like I said, he was dropping dubs, and he was he was gaming guys in games one and two. He has uh, averaged only four and a half uh, turnovers the past few games, but they've been critical, critical turnovers at the worst possible time for a guy whose nickname is Point God. Uh, on top of that, he's shooting 16% from three. Now, I'm, I'm talking about Chris Paul right now, but that's not to let Devin Booker off the hoop because he's only shooting 10% from three. So if you want to figure out where their, where their initial problem is, there you go. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the, the improved play in Milwaukee of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, by the way, uh, is a guy who I have just taken the task every chance I got. Um, it wasn't for lack of talent. It was literally for a lack of consistency. This postseason has been a different breed. Now, he still had his clunker of, of, you know, clunker games here and there. But as a guy who is a supporting star, right? Not the feature member of the band, but he's he's the the number two dog, number the, the, the wingman. He's about as consistent as you could want. And you know what you're going to get. Even if you're not getting great offense from him, you're going to get some good defense. He's going to make some smart plays with the ball as a facilitator. Good things happen. So to see him be more consistent, and, and there was a graphic up about him uh, and, and having like the most clutch shots this in one postseason since LeBron did it in like 2015. I forget the year LeBron did it, but it was the most clutch shots in one post postseason. Most shots to take the lead or go ahead in fourth quarter overtime, if I had the, the exact framing of it correctly. But it was since LeBron a while ago. <laughs> I'm impressed. I got to admit, I'm impressed. Now, I do want to see him complete it. I'm not going to sit here. And just I can't just give up my gripe right away because, you know, the moment he, he falls, I'm going to be right back on it. So I'm not going to I'm not going to falsely sit here and act like, oh, my gosh, I completely bought in. I haven't. I have not. But what I've seen so far is definitely something that has been much improved, as has this whole team. There's been a lot of uh, progression from this team. And bringing it back to the Suns, you're kind of seeing the difference here between a team that's been through the postseason and a team that's kind of getting there for the first time together. We talk about Monty Williams and the job he's done. Like I said, Chris Paul helped get in this team. They Devin Booker, the work he's put in, but I've already given you flaws for the players. Monty Williams has been kind of slow to, to adjust. And I, it's a thing that I saw with Nate uh, McMillan in the last round. A lot of what got him here is his patience and not overreacting and his calming demeanor and his, his, his calming effect on the team, right? It's what Chris Paul is on the floor. Same thing. Same thing with McMillan. But in these situations, the smallest adjustment can make such a big difference that waiting can mean you lose a game. Uh, you take, for instance, the, the last game where Devin Booker was taken out. He was hot. Devin Booker had been cooking. I mean, Devin Booker, he, 42 points, something like that. Devin Booker was cooking, okay? He's averaging 30. Listen. 27 for the series I want to say he's second in the in the series behind Giannis Giannis having 32 so Giannis is killing it uh Booker though is right behind him and Monty Williams takes him out because Booker got into foul trouble here's the thing I would rather you intentionally hide him on defense and tell him play some matador because I need you out there on the floor on offense than take him out of the game 
And Booker kind of pushed back, but he he did what he was supposed to do. He walked off to the to the bench and, and sat down. But that that moment right there was kind of like, mm. and then not only that, but he left him on the bench as the lead shrunk, and that's where the problem really came in. You can it's fine. You want to take him out. You want to try to save it. I get it. But you got to know. Listen, if they cut the lead in half, he's got to come right back in. It was I want to say it was a tie game before he came back in. If they hadn't uh, if they hadn't surrendered the lead already. He was the only one who was consistently cooking. Now, I say that while admittedly acknowledging that Jay Crowder has had a terrific series. Cam Johnson has had a terrific series. Um, campaign has been his usual frustrating self. But Chris Paul, those turnovers, the fouls, they're getting. So the Bucks. well, for the series, the Suns are, are shooting better. But the Bucks for the uh, last two games have been shooting better from outside and from the free throw line than the Suns have. This is another thing that makes me wonder about the whole role players playing better at home. So I can't, again, I guess I'm saying all that to say, I can't completely say that the, the, the momentum has been seized by the Bucks. It feels that way. It certainly feels that way. But all we've seen so far is each team hold serve. And if that's the case, then it's going to be Suns in seven. I don't necessarily believe that either, though. And I, I think that's probably where I have to be without seeing the, 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 the quote-unquote uh, pivotal game five. Gave you the stats about that a couple of weeks ago when the Hawks were trying to go through it. This is huge. This is going to be this is this is basically the Bucks uh the Bucks opportunity to steal home court back. Not really because I don't think they're going to win. I don't I, listen. I, if this if if Phoenix doesn't win Game Five, I will say I have a hard time seeing them win Game Six back in Milwaukee. Let's let's say that. How about that? If they win, if they lose Game Five. Game six, they're going to be crowning a new champion at the crib in Milwaukee. Let that be known. Because I just don't, I, I, it's been role players, and if the role players for Phoenix don't step up at home and take advantage of what should be, could be possibly a clunker game coming from one of or both of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, because on the road, we saw, we were, they were talking about the Chris Middleton splits on the road um, before the series, before the pro season even started. Or I'm sorry, not before the postseason started. That's impossible. <laughs> before uh, this series started, before the last series started. Again, he's shot. He's scored a lot of points, but he hasn't always been efficient. And it's been some some inopportune moments where, like with Chris Paul, where the Chris is kind of throw you off. Um, where he's kind of just not been short shots, missing layups. Drew Holiday smoking layups has been a pain. What is? Listen, <laughs> let's take a quick sidebar before we go into the rest of the NBA talk. What the hell is up with Drew Holiday and the layups? I've never seen a guy who can do so many things on the court so well smoke so many point-blank layups. I like Drew. He's got a great game all around. can do everything, apparently, except for make layups. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, Devin Booker, before I go, that, that eight-foul thing, listen. The league had to have felt sorry for him because Chris Paul was leaving him out there to dry. Had to. Because there's no reason that the man got two extra fouls. I, the, <laughs> the most egregious one was the one on Holiday, but the second one was not good either. He, I, Devin Booker had eight fouls at least. Now, I will say that there have been a few calls that they haven't called from Milwaukee, but that was, that was probably one of the wildest no calls I've ever seen. He hugged him. It looked like he was trying to draw the foul. Um... With five, maybe that's what it was. Because Booker had five fouls, the ref in his mind couldn't conceive a situation where Devin Booker would possibly uh, try to 
to commit a foul on purpose. Just didn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense for him. Um, I lied. We're going to talk about a couple more things before we get out of it, before we switch off of this game. Heard that intro clip there about Giannis. Uh, and what I've gotten from this, because he's played consistently, the narrative about him has changed, but he's been playing the same, basically, other than a, maybe taking a few threes and, and where he's on the floor. But his production has been the same. His aggression has been the same. Um, those two 40 point games, people were questioning him after the first one because they didn't win, win it. Oh my gosh. He's got to, he's got to fall back. What's funny is those same people were quiet when he did it again, the second game, but then they came back out again when he fell back a little bit and Middleton went off in game four. Now they're saying, Oh, see, Chris, uh, Chris Middleton is the, is the, the focal point. Y'all didn't say a damn thing. Whatever. I digress. Uh, here's that Giannis clip in full. Giannis, this was the second game in a row you went out early in the first quarter. I'm just curious what was going on there. I wanted to, uh, what the hell you guys say politely? I wanted to take a, a tinkle. A, a tinkle? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to take a tinkle and came back. Yeah. That's, it. That's, it's, that's polite, right? Tinkle is polite, yeah. Both games. I wanted to take a tinkle and went back. So... Giannis has been dubbed the guy that's just like impossible to hate, right? People will find a way because that's what we do. But he's got the 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 unassuming nature, the charming innocence of being foreign. Remember the corn dog post? How excited he was to find out about corn dogs? Now this man is out here talking about taking a tinkle. Now I personally believe it was more of a Friday situation. Remember, if you ever seen the movie Friday, Smokey had to go behind the bushes because he couldn't get back, couldn't get into the house, and Craig's daddy wouldn't let him in the house. And then Ezel found him and then yelled out to the whole world that that Smokey was behind the house taking a well. Google the scene. Go ahead, YouTube the scene. Uh, Friday, Ezel, and you'll know what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, I'm not sure if it was necessarily just a tinkle. I'm sure he was being polite, but I don't know if it was just a tinkle. Earl, and at the same point in the game, it was weird. It was about nine minutes in, or I'm sorry, about three minutes in uh, the first game, and then about five minutes in. No, about three minutes in again in the second game. He says it's a tinkle. I Whatever. Whatever. Now, the pivotal point in this game perhaps came when Giannis stepped up and and delivered a block for the ages on a pass that was a lob from Devin Booker to DeAndre Aiden. Giannis not only defended the 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 pick and roll ball handling, but also was had the wherewithal to save enough space to drop back and deflect the oop. It was one of the craziest things I think I've ever seen, just because how much range he had to cover and how fast and how quickly he went from on the floor to up in the air. That was the most impressive part. Cause I mean, you've seen him cover a lot of ground, but not only did he cover ground, it was like a grab. I felt like I needed a graphing calculator to watch this game, to watch that play. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And, um, I think what we're witnessing from him is he's finally fully realizing how unstoppable he is. You could talk about Chris Milton gets the ball and good things. That's cool. That's cool. We saw, and I'm, 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 I'm not comparing him to this player, but we saw how Mike went from doing everything to figuring out how to let the other guys do stuff so that he can focus on a thing that he was going to be best at and be the deciding factor. We might be seeing that with Giannis. You could talk about Chris Milton's buckets. Giannis is, 
Giannis being a mismatch at the five, Giannis being able to take it uh, to cover anybody that they really need him to. He doesn't do it all the time, but when they need him to, he could lock you down. Um, freight train coming down the lane. That spin move that he does when he gets, it's it's almost unstoppable because you don't know which hand he's coming out with and he can just go, he's he's reaching around you. It's It's quite impressive to see. So I think he's realizing how unstoppable he is. And by doing so, it's allowed him to settle in more. And by settling in more, he's trusting his teammates more. And he's trusting his teammates more, they're performing, namely Chris Middleton, who, you, if you don't honor two dudes like them, who have spent their entire careers in Milwaukee, building that fran- helping to build that franchise back up, then you're not a fan of the, sk- of the sport. You just like your team and the player that plays, or, or, or a specific player. Because that is what it's supposed to be about. That is that is grassroots, ground up, building it the quote unquote right way. And you love to see that thing, stories like that flourish. And again, like I said, if they win it, I'm not surprised because they are the team that's been through these battles already. Phoenix has not been there. And as much as we, you know, like to to complain about not seeing or about seeing the same teams over and over. That's because those teams earn their way up there. That's how it works. That's how it works in the NBA in series, in seven-game series, because strategy prevails. Just like I said, Bud's been there. The, the adjustments you've seen from Bud, he didn't do. He wasn't always doing that. The 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 uh, hesitance you've seen from from Williams to adjust, you won't always see that. Maybe not even this coming game, Game Five on Saturday. But that's just how it goes. So, salute to the Bucks for not folding. Past years, this team would have collapsed. They did not. So hats off to them for that. Uh, on top of that, though, Phoenix, you have an opportunity here to right a lot of past wrongs for the franchise, for players on that on that roster, for the head coach. Don't let this slip away because I can tell you right now, man, I'm not sure this is a roster. People talk about the entire way, the path that they've taken to get here, which, by the way, happens for every contender or every, I'm sorry, eventual champion, but you have to be the team that's playing in those in that situation to take advantage of it. <clears throat> can't guarantee that's going to happen next year for Phoenix. You just can't. You don't know how it's going to how it's going to shake out. So take it out, take opportunity now, take it now. Because I'll say this: I'm not sure if Devin Booker will ever be able to be. I don't think so, but I'm not sure. I'll say that if Devin Booker will ever be able to be the best player in the NBA. I'm not sure Giannis isn't the best player in the NBA because of how really unstoppable he's become. He's shooting better at the free throw line. He stopped shooting threes. You can put him at the perimeter and he can still shoot a three if he needs to. He can hit him. He can hit him, but he hasn't been shooting like he like he was that was making him such a detriment. We're we're approaching that point where it's gonna be it's about to be his time for real, for real. And I'm just gonna say now. They're calling him the most likable dude now, but in a year or two, it's probably going to be the villain slash the bad guy. And because we all need the bad guy, that's just how it goes. On to some other NBA news. Bradley Beal is out of the Tokyo Olympics. Remember we just, uh, if you saw the other day, he was went into the uh, concussion COVID protocols, health and safety protocols, and was set to be out for the start anyway. Well, now he's completely out. And on top of that, you have Jeremy Grant, who's also now in protocol. I'm not sure if we've gotten word about that yet, because I've only seen one replacement announced, and that is one Christian Wood of the Houston Rockets. Um, there was some speculation of who they could add. 
They were talking about big names like Chris Paul and LeBron, but those guys have already declined. Steph Curry declined. James Harden declined. Um, and people were saying, you know, there is a lot of guard options, but going with the big man makes some sense, especially one who can stretch the floor and protect the rim. Now, I will say the big problem for USA, Team USA so far has been their inability to protect the three-point line. But if you feel like you've gotten the paint completely protected and you're shooting the three, okay, then I get it. Um, but on top of that, though, you had some players who were upset. Oh, Brian Windhorst also said that Duncan Robinson could be the next replacement for Grant, but he's a free agent, so that could be a thing that keeps him from going. Duncan Robinson is not a guy I would have necessarily pegged for that fill-in spot. They do need some extra shoot. They could always use more shooting. Um, he was on the 57 finalists, of, among the 57 finalists, uh, but some other guys were too, and they did not get the call. Speaking of some of those other guys that did not get the call, back on track now, as you see. Uh, Trey Young and John Morant were both very vocal about uh, not... I don't want to say very vocal. They both tweeted out responses about not being selected. Um, Young tweeted out after the injuries actually happened. Young tweeted out so a couple of face emojis. Um, one with the you know, you know the drunk squiggly mouth one, and then uh, with the no comment. And then when the uh, replacement was announced, Young tweeted out the video of Isaiah Thomas <laughs> talking about being stuck from the dream team, where he said, "I met the criteria." <laughs> Trey Young, funny man. That's that, that dude's funny. Um, he said he met the criteria, didn't understand, you know, what happened, what went into all of that. <laughs> John Morant was pretty much direct to the point and said, nah, don't even ask me now. Cause you didn't ask me then. I find Morant's take a little bit interesting. Um, I won't say he's been disappointed cause I don't think he's been disappointed, but I think there's been some, there's been a plateau that we didn't see there, a, a glass ceiling there that we didn't see that he's kind of hit the past couple of years. He's, he's taken it to the next level. He's, he's reached it, but he keeps kind of, you know, just bumping. Young players do that. And that right there is the point. Look at this roster on Team USA and how many guys are first-timers. Veterans who are first-timers. I don't know where a young player necessarily should 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 be getting jiggy talking about, you know, hey, ah, don't even invite me. Bro. Now, maybe it's about not being on the select team. I don't know. I was he on the select team? I don't even if it was. That's a bit much. So it has to be for the Olympic thing. And like, ah, you're young, man. You're young. You're young. Didn't even make the playoffs. Didn't even make the playoffs. If anything, my guy Trey had an argument, but you know, the Isaiah Thomas video is just funny. And I'm sure Josh is like, yeah, whatever. He, and if they called him, I have a hard time believing he wouldn't accept the invitation. But whatever. I just found that a weird, weird hill to die on. You know, that's a, that's a, that's okay. Cool. Don't call. They're going to remember that. I would imagine. Um, by the way, there are reinforcements coming. Uh, Devin Booker will be there. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday will all be on the way. But by that point in time, like, will there be a healthy team? They just had to cancel their game against Australia, uh, tomorrow night on Friday night. So there's problems. Remember we talked about there being uh, the whole, country in state of emergency for the for the pandemic like it's not good <laughs> things are not going good for the olympics as a whole and team usa is is basically a microcosm of that right now uh yeah so that hey go olympics it's not gonna be good i'm just saying it's not gonna be a good spectacle the spectacle that we've all gotten used to uh and some local 
basketball. Chicago Bulls uh, forward Marco Simonovich, and I know I'm not saying that right. I apologize, Marco. We're going to call him Marco from now on until I get it properly down. Uh, has agreed to terms with the Chicago Bulls. He will be joining them this season. The big, I guess, secondary storyline, because that's the big storyline. He came over and, you know, second round draft pick. Um, and we know uh, Arturis Karnasova's track record with those kind of guys, <coughs> Nikola <coughs> Jokic. Not saying that's going to be what this guy is, but that's that's what we're hoping for. Um, and the big storyline here is, what does this mean for Lowry Marketing? Is Marco going to be a backup for Vucevic? Is he a replacement for Tice? Is he a replacement for Lowry and a backup for Tice? What, there's a lot of moving parts here. But one interesting storyline I think that, that kind of connects some dots is the Spurs' interest in Lowry Markkinen and the Bulls' interest in DeJounte Murray. Uh, this has been reported by a few outlets now, and so I would believe that there's some smoke or there's some fire here with this smoke. The move to bring some uh, Marco over, before I butcher his name again, the move to bring Marco over is twofold. You get a player who you believe can help you because he was balling over there overseas, and you can facilitate this move now, hopefully. Signing trades are always complicated, and you need both sides to agree and all these other whatever moves. But I can't imagine Lowry wouldn't want to help him get to a place where he knows, wants him, to an uh, organization that has a history of winning with a really solid young core. If they're wanting to move on from Murray now, who's really close to Zach Levine, and that's what it's going to take, I listen, remember we had the uh, rumors, the reports, of a failed offer of Tomas Sadaransky and a couple of second rounders for Lonzo Ball last season. First of all, that was, shame on y'all for offering that. That was never going to happen. Um, we'll see what happens this offseason. Exactly, that's, that's another possibility still. There's a lot. De'Aaron Fox out in Sacramento. There's a lot of, of, of moving parts here, but having Marco pretty much guarantees that Lowry will not be a Chicago Bull next season. That's that's the bottom line uh, because Sham Sharania said so. <laughs> Switching gears. <laughs> Panthers tackle Taylor Moten signed a uh, five-year or well, four-year, seventy-some-odd million extension. Uh, basically, with his franchise tag that he's playing under, he is now up to eighty-five million over five years. Big shout out though to his college coach Brian Callahan, who was a guest on this podcast and had nothing but nice things to say about Taylor the person as well as Taylor the football player. So shout out to Taylor Moden. Um, always rooting for guys that you have connection to, but definitely a guy that had uh, has gotten such glowing reviews from people in his past. So good to see that. Now he was not the only person who uh, has gotten a deal from the tag franchise tag. You've had uh, ten players who got tagged in total. Dak Prescott. Leonard Williams, Justin Simmons, and Moten are the only ones to get new deals. Marcus Williams, Marcus May, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, and tackle Cam Robinson uh, are all playing on the franchise tag for the first time. Brandon Scherf, uh, offensive lineman, will be playing for the second time with the Washington football team. Now, I bring that up to bring up Allen Robinson. I'm jumping around because I usually end with bear stuff, but I want to talk about this Allen Robinson situation. They have been talking about a, con- a contract for the past couple of seasons. And honestly, there's been very little movement either way. Uh, I'm not surprised to see it go nowhere. I'm not surprised to see no signs of a resolution on the, on the horizon. And I would not be surprised to see a divorce coming in the, in this off season. I think the bears believe they could do better. I know Allen Robinson feels like he can do better in terms of contract and organizational fit and, you know, whatever, all those other things. 
I'm not sure if either one of them are right because I think with Robinson, you've gotten a guy who's shown you he can produce with crap and now you're trying to give him something good and vice versa. For Robinson, you've been dealing with crap and now you got something good. I don't know if either one of them should go, you know, should be trying to mess it up. And who knows? Maybe they get something done after the year, but they've missed the deadline to extend him this season. So he's going to play another year on a franchise tag. God forbid he suffers an injury. You know how their outlook's going to be. That's that's how that's how this works. That's why it's unfortunate. Now, I'm not saying that they're not protecting themselves for that very reason because they signed him coming off of a knee injury. So he's always going to be in the back of their minds at risk for another. One. That's how that works. But you don't just have people lining up to come here. Maybe Fields changes that. Maybe that's what they're banking on. But you had a guy who saw the vision before anyone else, before it was a reality, and you're looking at letting him walk over some uh, some some frugalities. Why you have your QB on the rookie wage scale? Now they are going to have a lot of cap space because after this year they could part with uh uh what's the guy Robert Quinn? I keep forgetting him because he didn't do anything last season. They could part with Robert Quinn and save some money, and I'm sure they can do some other restructuring and get out of some other deals. Um, but until that happens, you know maybe you want to show a guy that's that's been around some appreciation. I'm not sure what that number is. They're talking 18. I think Robinson wants like 20 plus. I'm thinking like 18. Two million wouldn't seem like a lot, but apparently it's enough to keep him from getting the deals done. I, I I just don't understand how you could sign this guy, show so much faith in him coming off the knee. He's showing you what he can do. And granted, I, there are some warts to his game. Um, I think he could do a little bit better in, in fighting away, wrestling away, contested catches. That's another conversation, though, because like I said, he was dealing with crap. Maybe with something better than crap, throwing the ball to him, he won't have to fight for as many of them in the first place. So you can kind of negate that that weakness. Just a thought. So I had to get that off my chest because this is this has been frustrating. Um, saw the picture Justin Fields tweeted out today with him in the orange visor and just got excited before I realized that Allen Robinson wasn't going to be signing that big deal. And I'm just like, look, man, I I get it. People just let him go. I get it. But you got to look at it in totality. Part of this is is reputation building and how you re- reward the guys who uh, got you there. You know, dance with the one who brung you. And, and that's this this Bears thing for the past two years has felt like a slight at him for some unknown reason. I just haven't been able to keep up with. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Elsewhere, uh, Ezekiel Elliott looks to be in the quote unquote, you know, the cliche best shape of his life, but legitimate after coming into last season, looking like he had uh, a couple of kegs underneath his shirt. He's looking back in uh, Zeke feed me form. So expect a big year out of him. Dak Prescott back under center. That Cowboys offense is going to be clicking again. Don't be surprised to see them in contention for a Super Bowl for the first time in quite some time. If they can all stay healthy in that offensive line, finally figures it out. And the defense decides to, you know, defense. They didn't do a lot of that last year. Wasn't great. Anyway, um, in other less, uh, how about them Cowboys-ish news, Travis Kelsey, tied in for the Kansas City Chiefs, pulled a fast one on everybody. Went on social media, sitting in his car, and talked about how people have been mispronouncing his name for years. And, and he just never said anything. He was just letting it slide. He said that it was Kels. And he just did, you know, people said Kels, and he just let it be. Wasn't really, you know, didn't really bother him too much. And I mean, he had everybody going when i say everybody he had his own teammates tweeting out man bro never corrected us didn't know 
Pat Mahomes talking about, oh my goodness, you had uh, um, Kalen Sanders, or I'm sorry, Colin Sanders talking about how uh, he w- didn't get his name right. He had the world going like, oh my gosh. And then people were like, oh my goodness, if we're getting his name wrong, wrong we're getting his brother's name wrong. And neither one of them have corrected us. Oh my goodness. Except for his mom came out and said, nah, it's Kelsey. Fam is bored. Listen, football needs to return. Travis Kelsey is out here bored, so bored that he got us all. And we bored as hell too because we believed him. Because, like, they check these things. He said it. The, 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 you know, the, the opening, was it, was it Sunday night or Monday night football? One of the primes, I'll, I'll always get it mixed up. But they say, they say it. They, they introduce themselves. At some point, he would have said, Kels. At some point, his brother would have said, Kels. They both have said, they've both been on their plenty. Plenty enough for us to, to, to probably, we would have known if they had said Kels and not Kelsey. But we fell for it. Telling you, man, that lockdown messed us all up more than we ever know what to talk about. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey went off about the Jaguars' dislike for Tom Coughlin. And my big reaction to that one was, duh. Because that's kind of like how he works. Uh, Tom Coughlin's not there to make you his friend. He's not there to make you feel better. He's there to help you win games. Didn't work. Doesn't always work. Tom Coughlin is like the coaching version of playoff Rondo. In the right situation, it's gangbusters. And you, you're going to get lightning in a bottle. And you're gonna, you might win a championship off of it. It's not for everybody. And it's not going to work in most places because he's, it's, it can be very grating. So I'm not surprised, especially with Jalen, with, with Jalen Ramsey and his outspoken personality and all the extra. It's not a Tom Coughlin thing. Especially, I could, that's Tom Coughlin back then. I'm thinking like Tom Coughlin now with the Jags. Oh my gosh, he probably can't stand anything. He just, uh, I, I'm not surprised. But also, why now? Like, you're, I don't get it. I don't understand the point. You're kicking him while they, like they're trying to start a new. He's not even there. It's just bad. <laughs> like I said, man, these dudes are bored. Bored. Now, if you if you if you want to hear about some Herculean efforts, right? You might listen to your your old man tell you a tall tale, something like that. Tom Brady is a walking tall tale. Okay, this man played the entire football season, not just an entire like backgammon. Um, and I'm not sure it'd be any easier in baseball or, or basketball, but it sounds like it would be maybe not basketball, but definitely not. It's definitely not harder than football. And he played the entire football season with a torn MCL. Kawhi Leonard was well, ACL for Kawhi, so that's not the same thing. But anyway, the entire football season. So, so, so <laughs> to recap. He played the entire football season with the Toron MCL and then proceeded to beat Aaron Rodgers uh, and Patrick Mahomes and and uh, what's the guy Russ to make it to this like what what are we talking what are we doing Tom Tom versus time because nobody can his own body can't stop him. What are you going to do? Talking about some deflated footballs. You think Tom care about some damn deflated footballs? This man playing with torn MCLs all season winning Super Bowls, Jack. King Kong. No, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. That's incredible, though. That's very impressive. And just goes to show you the level 
of of competitor that he is that he would go and fight to that. And honestly, you got to talk about Jay Cutler and him, the bucket latch, how he couldn't plant and all that. He shredded his knee. But damn, Tom played the whole season, Jay. You couldn't give me a half. Tough times, man. Tough times being a Bears fan because you got to think about stuff like that. Brady almost picked the Bears reportedly way back when. Um, when he was doing his free agency before he signed with the Bucks, we were Bears were a finalist. Allen Robinson stuff. It's tough. It's tough out here. That's gonna do it for this episode. Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, ClockerSports.com. Email address, ClockerSports at gmail.com. And of course, follow the show on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Three Zeros Pod, the number three Zeros Pod. And also, be sure to read the stuff as well. ClockerSports.com, Last Run Pro Football, Pippin Ain't Easy, and of course, Soaring Down South. And until the very next time. What the hell you guys say politely? I want to take a, a tinkle.